Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, podcast number 25. I'm your host, Brian. With me tonight is Ian. Greetings, everybody. <laughs> and Mac. Out from the frozen wastes of Lakewood. Ah, uh, it's not that bad. <laughs> we did get some snow finally, though, didn't we? Yeah. We did. I believe it's supposed to drop below zero tonight. Didn't it drop below zero last night, too? Possibly. Ah. Uh, but Arctic Front's supposed to have moved in. Nice and cold. All right. Well, ready to get started? Sure. Anytime. All right. So, do have we found a new species of humanoid? Yeah, looks like it, which um, actually almost makes sense. Um, you look at the idea. Uh, basically, um, in Siberia, they have found both a, a finger of a child and a tooth of a young adult that they've done testing on. Okay. They have determined... You want to say something? Nope, go ahead. Okay. And they have determined that genetically, the this is a new species of man. And dating it... Um, this species of man, um, the species of hominid, I should say, not actually man. It, you know, depending on how you define man, I suppose, but definitely not modern man. But this species of hominid um, would have been active at the same time that both um, homo, uh, the old Homo sapiens, well, basically, you know, where modern man came from, and the um, um, Neanderthals would have been roaming around at the same time. So it looks like there were actually three distinct species of man roaming around at the same time and the thing is they're fairly sure that they could interbreed with one another because the genetics from both neanderthal and this new species can be found in modern man well I, in fact a lot of stuff has come out about the neanderthal here recently uh one to four percent of our dna um is we share with the neanderthal and i guess the, the you know the genes for people who are short squat and red hair um, come from, uh, they, they found that in the DNA of uh, Neanderthal. But, you, you know, the people, you, you have the creationists who often try to come up with questions of, well, what happened to him? What happened to him? Well, they probably bred out, in, you know, into modern man. That would seem likely. So, yeah. So, you know, it's not like they, they just vanished. It's like, no, they, you know, started breeding with, um, a, a, like a dog breed. You know, you have certain breeds that can vanish if they start breeding with too much of a different breed. So, Right, so they were assimilated, like the Borg. Right. <laughs> More or less, that's what it sounds like. You know, the genetics are still somewhat there, but the Homo sapien genetics obviously were the dominant ones, and that was the species that more or less survived with it. But no, it's quite you know a fascinating find because it does point at some interesting possibilities of you know how man used to be how many different off branches there are and you know there could be even more than just those three so you know it, it, it follows through some interesting ideas of evolution and such it, it does and it looks like uh, what survived to become modern man was the best and most successful traits of all of these all of the different varieties that there were right which is basically the cornerstone of evolution they uh they call this new hominid the denisovan Right. And they did detect Denisovan DNA in the islands. They, they were they were detected in some. Uh, they were detected in islands, um, South Southeast Asian islands, somewhere there. I thought they also said Newfoundland somewhere. Okay, and and then Asia also. They believe that they were a couple of different lines. In fact, I've read so many things now that they're all kind of starting to blend. Anyway, we've got a, a lot of links. Present-day Melanesians. There we go. Melanesians. Yes. So the leading scholars believe that Denisovans may have been widespread over Asia. It, it's interesting, though, that if they were widespread over Asia, that this is these are the first fossils we found. But then, on the other hand, we haven't found a lot of fossils of either early, early, uh, early Cro-Magnon or Neanderthals. So. Yeah, you know the the problem with. With fossils, is you've got to be in the right location at the right time to get a proper fossil. And so, when we find stuff, I mean, it's we we kind of you know in in the, we found it in an area that supported fossilization. Not right. every place that that you know that these species lived on the planet were capable of fossilizing yeah. in those and locations. Logically, logically, only a small, small, small fraction of all the life ever on the Earth is going to leave a fossil. Right. Uh, and then there's also predation, and that's a big problem because if something eats something else, the fossil record is going to be damaged and it's going to be strewn all over the place. 
Right. And, you know, let's face it, early man was made out of meat. Yes, it was. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a numbers game. You know, was there enough people in the right place, you know, to create a fossil? So now are we um, tofu? No, we're mostly carbohydrates now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I can prove this on a home computer. Uh, uh, and an Etch-a-Sketch? <laughs> and an Etch-a-Sketch. Uh, one other thing I wanted to add, one of the articles in this uh, series that we pulled up on the Denisovan was talking about the fact that the modern dogs share more genetically with Middle Eastern wolves. So the thought is that the first place that wolves were actually tamed into dogs was actually, the first place wolves were domesticated into dogs was actually going to be the Middle East, not in Asia. All right. So, so Andrew Wakefield's back in the news. Yes. But now, yeah. what's, what's good about, I, I, I wish we could say that this is going to be the last but it's not. It's not even close. Right. And this this will continue to go on. But um, the British Medical Journal has has released a um, I don't know. It's a statement, a paper, a study. No, I can't remember. That basically saying that you know Andrew Wakefield's uh, data was fraudulent. Um, we and we have a good report from a journalist, um, Brian Deere, who really looked into the thing pretty thoroughly. So it looks. I mean, it, the evidence is to me it looks pretty conclusive. I mean, he was he had a um, a vaccine that he wanted to sell, and so he, you know, he worked up findings that showed uh, a link between the existing MMR vaccine and autism, so that you know he could sell his vaccine. Is that what it looks like to you guys? It's the way it appears. Yeah, but I, it's interesting. The next article you pulled up is talking about how he's now claiming that he's the victim of a smear campaign. Right. So now he's claiming persecution. He's saying that this that this um, gentleman Brian Deere was was paid by the pharmaceutical company to come and attack him. No, th- there's there's no link here. You know that I was able to find, unless Wakefield has some piece of evidence that uh, is not publicly known. Brian Deere is a reporter, and he's not being paid by the pharmaceutical company. Now, there's no doubt that Brian Deere targeted him, and he went after the study. He he went through the study, found the 12 people, and he kind of pieced it all together for us. Well, he also, um, as far as Brian Deere goes, I found his, his uh, personal page uh, with a lot of his body of work in it. And first of all, he's... He's a crusader. He's all of his all of his articles are basically along these same lines where he goes in, he investigates something on a very, very large scale and finds the answers where other people are not finding them. But one of the items in his body of work, he went up against Big Pharma on another thing about an AIDS vaccine that uh, failed in all its clinical trials, but they were still going to market it. So it seems less likely to me that he'd take a payoff from Big Pharma under the circumstances. Well, he doesn't need to either. I mean, he he kind of looks like he finds an issue and he yeah. pursues it, and which is what he's done in this case. And he's done a pretty thorough job. I, I was reading through the um, the summary of his um, of his uh, of his article, and boy, he really. I mean, he he really goes through it pretty systematically. And the other thing is that this has gone through a pretty extensive review. Um, you know, by um with the, the British Medical Society, whatever organization that is. And they found that what Wakefield did, did was unethical, and they stripped him his license. Um, the journal, um, The Lancet, also found, decided what had been done was unethical, and they retracted the article. And a lot of the other people who put their name on that article have retracted. Now, Wakefield says it's because they're scared, but once again, I, I don't know that I see any evidence for them being scared other than, you know, being scared of being attached to an article that has been declared uh, a fraud. Well, always remember right. that the reason there's no evidence of a conspiracy is because the conspiracy covers it up. Hey, right. The conspiracy is so perfect that there's no that link there's in the no chain. There's no evidence of a conspiracy. Right, exactly. Oy, oy, oy. Um, the last article you put up here was talking about whether the fraud report will be a vaccine booster, but oh, there's yeah. really no way to tell as to whether that's going to happen or not. Yeah. And my two cents says that it, it, it does make a difference. Now we can tell well, people I that hope it does. Well, I hope it does, but I, I, I think that what's going to happen is, you know, we're going to say, hey, you know, look, the, the, the data was found, found to be fraudulent. But the problem with, and, and, you know, NPR on Science Friday, they were, they were talking about this. And, you know, they had a woman who said that there is nothing that, that anybody could tell her that would change her mind. 
And the problem with that is that is the attitude a lot of these anti-vaccine um, right. people is that nothing you can tell them is going to change their mind. There's no amount of evidence that and they and they usually say our government. But a lot of this evidence is not coming from our government. You know, this, a lot of this is, you know, independent. Um, you know, the the Lancet is is not a government journal. No. So but they but they see it as being government. A lot of times, I think I think that they confuse the two in these issues that basically our government is telling them that they're safe. The thing that caught my attention in the uh, Wakefield articles is that part of the fraudulent nature of his stuff was that he essentially disregarded the fact that the children were showing symptoms of autism before the vaccine. Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, we hear a lot of claims that, you know, these people claim that their child was fine and then they got the vaccine and that's when they started to show the symptoms. Well, there's a couple of problems is that there's a lot of brain chemistry changes that are going on at that age. Um, I was listening to uh, Skeptically Speaking, and they were talking about extroverts and introverts, and how at around that age, you're going from your from the right brain to the left brain, and the left brain is starting to you know to take over. So, so you know that could be there could be issues you know right there. That one of the reasons that that's why you start to see the symptoms. But I think that in a lot of these cases that there was probably signs beforehand that they didn't right. see, they didn't know how to recognize. Um, and they didn't they who wants to believe that their child is sick or has Nobody. or has some sort of disease i mean that's that's a difficult thing to the stomach so it's so it's yeah. easy to be maybe in a little bit of denial here there could be a lot of things yeah. going on and like you say in this case there was sim- there were signs that these children had autism long before they got the vaccine and he but didn't the, report that the thing is you're going to have people like Jane McCarthy still out there who are, are going to claim it's the vaccine want an excuse. They want a reason. They want something that they can say this is the cause. They don't like the idea that it just happened. Right. And, and so you're not going to get people to think rationally on this. And the Wakefield paper wasn't even a complete study. That's the other problem here is that we're dealing with something that w- really was not even in itself a, a complete you know study. It, even if even if he had been ethical in what he did, he only had he had a sample size of twelve. That's not enough right. to, to make any sort of conclusion off of anyway. And we know that these small sample sizes that a lot of times this stuff, get you know, you, as your sample size gets bigger, it kind of washes out. And so he was cherry picking is the other issue is that he specifically looked for these 12 kids who already had autism, you know, for him to come up with his results. Well, and. I, I encountered something kind of interesting too. I didn't. Uh, I didn't put it in here tonight, which I probably should have. But um, my wife and I were talking about the fact that there's some new findings about autism, indicating that children who are t- autistic may have a genetic predisposition not to be able to clear certain heavy metals out of their system. I've heard this one before, and I don't think it pans out. But it'd be an interesting one to follow up and see because I, I, I've heard this claim before, and we hear a lot of these claims about heavy metals. But certainly, you know, well, that's one of the reasons I think that they tried to link this back to uh, mercury. And we we just recently heard about um, a study in England where they gave methyl mercury to um, to I forget what kind of bird it was, and they showed that that it changed the behaviors of these birds but they were very specific to say this was methylmercury not, not ethylmercury right and and it's interesting in that particular case the methylmercury mimics a hormone in in the brain so so it functions differently and it really does affect the brain methylmercury we know is bad i mean <laughs> mad as a hatter you know that, but it that sounds like methylmercury functions a lot like uh, i i recently found out how arsenic actually kills and arsenic kills not by arsenic kills by mimicking a process that takes place in the body but it doesn't complete the process it just makes the process look like it's taking place okay which is why a large dose of arsenic will kill you because your body stops functioning right it sounds very much like this the methylmercury does the same type right of thing. and and our bodies and i think the same with the birds are unable to clear the methylmercury, but right. our bodies can clear ethylmercury, and the vaccine contains ethylmercury. Exactly, the thimerosal as a preservative. Right, that's that's part of the thimerosal preservative. So there's a lot of things, but you know, I mean, now now we're now we're talking about the barrier of entry. 
the understanding that is required to make some of these decisions. It's difficult to do that. And I, I, a lot of these people are not educating themselves. They're, they're being reactionary, I think. Well, they are being reactionary. The book you just loaned me um, from, um, I can't remember his name now. Is it that Tom um, Flynn Sagan. book? Oh, Carl Sagan. Sagan book. Yeah, the Carl right, Sagan Right, book. Demon Haunted World. Yes. Um, one of the things he talks about is um, how people don't, you know, really go out and get themselves educated. And how they, they and that allows them to um, go for the pseudoscience of superstition. Well, because they're how, easy. You know, yeah. yeah. There's no barrier to entry for pseudosciences. But for to understand actual science, there's a huge barrier of entry. And so, yeah, so that's one of the problems that we have. But, you know, but a lot of these people that are anti-vaccination people are hearing the evidence, but they have blinders on to them. And that's easy right. to do. Because I mean, they want to believe what they want to believe. Well, not only that. I mean, they, they, I think in some of these cases that they have a kid with autism and they need something to believe. They, they, they really need to put um, a, a cause on on this because it isn't comforting Otherwise, to say it's just god hates them well i mean there could be that if if they have a cause then they can at least say oh well you know this caused it as opposed to nobody knows why my child is sick one is not very comforting no so you talked about extroverts and introverts yeah that's um the um a lady just put out a um a book and unfortunately i don't have that information but it um i'll get it into the show notes it's um but yeah she she's a um an introvert and she writes about the different um workings of the brain of introverts and extroverts so what are you are you an extrovert or are you an introvert i don't i'm somewhere in the middle i imagine pervert pervert definitely but <laughs> i don't think that she was talking about perverts okay all right so what's going on on the moon well way back in the distant times the 1970s when they did the apollo moon landing they dropped seismic detectors on the moon, and they've been getting little snatches of data from them every once in a while that they could actually take a look at. I mean, they've been getting steady, consistent data, but they've been able to only take a look at it little bits at a time. And modern computing has given them the opportunity to actually take a look at that seismic data from beginning to present. And they found out all kinds of interesting stuff. They found out that the moon actually has... Uh, solid core and then a liquid uh, solid inner core and a liquid outer core under the under the crust and the mantle and that the moon actually has had volcanic activity in the past although it doesn't look like it's active right now so right but it does still at this time have magma down there i mean it, it has is magma. yeah it isn't completely cooled it has say the word right magma magma Liquid hot magma. Yeah, so they've been what they specifically have been interested in analyzing this data is deep moon quakes. So they aren't looking at surface quakes. They really want to know underneath. Uh, they, they're looking at the 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 what's going on way down low with these uh with these quakes is the information that they were looking for. So they've got a lot of data, and of course now we've got a lot. I mean that, that my company works with seismic data, and I know you know I, how much processing power it takes to process some of this stuff so they didn't have the processing power back in the 70s so they'd been hanging on to all the data so now they can convert it and put it through some modern applications and look at what's actually going on down there so that's that's pretty neat what they're doing yep they found out that the moon is much more exciting than we thought oh yeah yeah it's not a dead rock sitting up there it's you know it's actually alive and, and doing stuff and that what they'd also like to do all of these um all of these detectors are on the side of the moon that we can see. So they'd really like to put some detector detectors on the back side of the moon. Are they? How are they going to do that with the crashed Cybertronian spaceship over there? Well, they're going to have to go around it. I. Are you trying to get yeah. into the plot for the next Transformer movie? <laughs> Give away spoilers. I'm going to hint at it. Uh -oh. Hey, it's it's in the trailer. Oh, is that where that's? They have a trailer from? out already. I have, I have they have a trailer. Out. Oh boy. Okay, I'll have to turn it down. All right. Don't do it during the show, though, Ian. We know what your computer <laughs> yeah. does when you open a link. Yeah, I'll, I'll be good. So <laughs> okay. Stanford professor calls women's equality stalled and un uneven? Yep, stalled and uneven. Okay. Um, you know, essentially, I, I just kind of found this interesting from a social, uh, a social sciences and sociology point of view. But um, what she's saying essentially is that we had all kinds of action. We had all kinds of 
improvements in relations in the workplace between men and women and equality in the workplace between men and women up until about the mid-90s, and it, it's just stopped. It's stopped, and it's nowhere near where it needs to be. The uh, Now, when she's talking about stuff in England, but it's really not much different over here in the U.S., where there's still women are still getting stuck in women only professions and they're not really they're not really breaking into the uh they're not really breaking the man's world okay but my, my problem with that is from what i've personally seen there's a fair amount of women that don't want to. okay how many women auto mechanics are there out there there's a reason for that women in general don't want to do that kind of job what i've seen in my workplaces is the, the women that want to will raise as far as they want but more likely the men are going to have um more desire to raise higher they're going to be more likely to want to do some of the harder work they're going to be more likely to be willing to do some of the dirtier work there's all sorts of areas and then that's one problem i have with something like this is i don't think they're looking at the factor of how far do the women want to go not necessarily are the women making it, but how far do the women want to go? Well, I really do think that's a big factor in it. The other thing to remember is that in the medical profession, that is being dominated by women. That went from being a, a man's profession to a woman's profession. So they've that's completely point, taken right. over that one. Right. So, I mean, so... so yeah, that's obviously one area where the women are willing to go to the next level. But I think a lot of other areas, you have the women not wanting to go the, the extra mile to do it. That's and so they pay for it by not getting the higher jobs. And so like, th this alone, it bothered me a bit because it didn't seem to even look at that fact. It just seemed to say, oh, there's not equality. Part of equality comes from the women have to work for it themselves. They can't just say, hey, give us the equality. They have to say, okay, we're willing to do the same level of work. We're willing to do the same job. We're willing to do the same stuff. And I, I, most women I know are capable of it. A lot of them just don't want to. And it's like, okay, we'll give you that, at which point you can't complain if you're not getting to do those jobs. No, but the one thing I, I would have to say is, um, you know, like with engineering, definitely we see more men in engineering. But there are women in that field. But the question I would have to ask is, you know, are, are the women being weeded out? And, and that I would be something that would have to be looked at specifically. It, who are making it in some of these male-dominated professions are doing so by being more aggressive, not right. equally aggressive, but more aggressive than men in the same position. So in other words, they're actually being more, they have to try harder than a man in the same, in the same job. You know, not that, the same amount, but more, but harder. That's certainly the stereotype, um, you know, as to whether that's true or not. Uh, I'd like to see the numbers and maybe it is, I, but I have, I have no real way to judge that. I mean, that's, you know, I, I, I know that women in the medical community is is huge, um, but you know, and I know that women in engineering is is much smaller, and women in computers is much smaller. But as to why that is, I I, I can't really take a stab at. I, I honestly think it's what they're attracted to, because Brian, both me and you, our wives work in daycare. You will not, you very rarely find a man working daycare, partially because of stereotypes, but also men are less likely to be attracted to that kind of work. Same with looking at, like, grade school teachers. Most of your grade school teachers are going to be women because they're more attracted to that kind of work. And I think that's a big, you know, part of it is what people are Are they more attracted to. or is it the stereotype? Well, there's a bit of a mixture. One thing um, with daycare, um, I believe it's, like, two years and under, men are not allowed to watch, to, you know, basically the level they have to change diapers at. Men can't can't do that. Well, I don't think that's... Which, is that actually true no, that they can't? Yes. Is that a law somewhere? Um, I believe so. Uh, Sarah was telling me about it, um, something like that. But there are actually okay. laws that prohibit men because of the stereotype of child abuse and stuff. They, uh, places don't want men doing that. The, I, the, the, there's actually regulations and stuff. I think that like law would be unconstitutional. Yeah. I think that law would be unconstitutional. I, I would actually... I, I'd be interested to see that because... I don't think that you could actually make that a law. See if it's a law, if it's some regulation or what. Yeah, yeah I, that. I, I think it well, would be, I, I mean, it would be easy to challenge. I, I agree with you, but, you know, you have, um, you have various jobs like that where there are such stereotypes linked to it, and they do limit it from being open to both sexes, one way or the other. And, you know, I, I, daycare is a great example. Uh, like I said, I brought up auto mechanics for the other side. You know, you, you look through it, there's all sorts of different career paths that, for whatever reason, favor men and for whatever reason, favor women. And 
it, it makes it harder to be able to look at something like this and say, oh, yeah, that's right, because there's enough thing that enough common sense looking at the, the system we have saying, are the women really trying for those positions? Are there enough women really pushing to get that far ahead? Or is it just that, you know, the women give up at a certain point and that makes it look like they're um, being held back? You know, I certainly don't think it's OK to, to leave this as they don't want it. That, right. that and and so i, I, I mean agree. it needs to be it, it it should be i mean these kinds of things always need to be looked at and and we right. need and we need to keep pushing for a, a quality i'm okay with that to right. a certain extent but I, it, I think that at some point this stuff gets way overblown too yeah and like i said th- to me this just left out a certain logical path that could help explain some of it. yeah so yeah, but the logical path that you're going with is a biased logical path. I agree that it's biased. Yeah, I mean that that's but that but I see the same perception, biased or not, you know. So and it's it could you could easily say that the professor's thoughts are biased as well. Right. But you know, it it, it is an interesting question and it's an interesting discussion. And so let me ask you, Ian, okay. if you needed work done on your car and the only mechanic in a hundred miles was a woman, would you have her work on your car? I'd have no problem with it. <laughs> She'd probably know more than I do. Well, that's not in. <laughs> uh, I think that women I, should know how to change a tire. I think that women should know how to change their own windshield wipers. I think now, that women should Brian, know how to I change their own headlights. I was specifically not asking you about auto repair. Uh, I, I know you were. Yes, yes. <laughs> and thank you for that. In fact, I know women who specifically have refused to learn how to change the tire just so that they can have an excuse to have a guy come and do it whenever they need it. Yeah, I see it. So there, there is that factor in there. I, I see that, yeah. and I find that frustrating. I don't know how to do it. Well, you haven't even tried. Right. So there definitely is that level so of there's, it. Yeah. This. There's the, oh, poor me. I'm a woman. Yeah. You know? And so, so there is so, – so there's some reverse, um, you know, stuff going on here where they, they don't even try it. Mm, I Sorry. And this would definitely be something better to go over with women present so that they give their side of it all. Well, I'll admit that. Okay. <laughs> so we'll come back to this on a future podcast that includes Jen. <laughs> and I'll have Sam stand in for me. No. <laughs> all right. All right. Onwards. What do we got next? Uh, atheists give invocation before city council meeting. This I like because it showed progress. Basically, yeah. um, a, an atheist group in Grand Junction here in Colorado, uh, headed by Joe Alemo, uh, basically said, hey, listen, you, know, you guys have someone come in and give an innovation, a religious innovation all the time. Let us come in and do an atheist one because, you know, and, it, you know, council meeting said, OK, he came in, he gave it. Um, the people that di- um, didn't necessarily agree with it sat back and said nothing. You know, he got an applause. You know, it worked. This is the kind of tolerance that I, I, I like seeing. Okay. You know, I heard, I, I wish I could have found it, but apparently a little while back, a um, Hindu priest came in, I believe it was, to the U.S. Congress and gave a um, Hindu prayer beforehand. He was heckled by a group of people that specifically went there to heckle him. That's sad. Yeah, that is sad. Yeah. They, they were escorted out of the building, but still, the fact that they showed up to heckle, to him, heckle just him because, you know, we're Christians. How dare you know, a Hindu comes in and says a, a Hindu prayer before Congress? Like, so to see, you know, how, how smoothly this went really like that, you know, that, that's more of the direction to head. You know, I'm still of the opinion that before a city council meeting or any sort of government meeting that they should not be doing any sort of prayer. But, right. But I have a but, you know, if they're going to allow anybody to come in and do it, including, you know, atheist or non-religious person, um, then I there's there's less I can say about it. Right. If they if they're going to allow anyone to come in and do it, they should allow anyone to come in. Right. And and they should rotate it. You know, have the Hindu, have the Muslim, have the Buddhist. Let, you know, let it rotate to get all the different um, ideas in there. Yeah. I'd like to see it eliminated still, though. Right. But if they're going to do it, make it tolerant. Okay, And and that's what they've done. And so and, and that's great. Right. I had an interesting discussion with a friend about atheism and his point is that everybody's an atheist. Everybody's an atheist somewhere. Right. This wasn't a conversation with me, was it? Because I've I've had the same conversation with somebody. It might have been a conversation with you, okay. but it, it it was an interesting conversation nonetheless. Because you know, Christians, what do they believe in the pantheon? They don't. Exactly. They're, atheists. They're agnostic towards Zeus. Exactly. Yeah. 
This that is this you. is we Richard. This yeah, it was. Yeah, this this and this comes from a lot of stuff that I've been, you know, Richard Dawkins, and and he'll come out and say, "Listen, everybody's an atheist," and and he, I think he does that kind of for shock value, because you know, because these religious people are like, "What?" He's like, "Well, you don't believe in Zeus, do you?" So, but in in a lot of ways, that's true. I mean, we have all these other gods from different pantheons, and and a lot of times they are. You know, people don't even – they're so hung up on their god that they forget that. There was another point when somebody actually believed in Zeus and these other gods, which they think are silly. Well, the uh, the Romans believed in a whole pantheon of essentially reworked Greek gods right. before they ever set the Vatican in Vatican City. Yeah, well, yeah we did have this conversation. You know, the, the, everyone has stuff they don't believe in. That's a standard um, Mac, are we dropping this next one? Isn't that what you said? Or I'm you... fine with dropping it, honestly. Okay. It's, I'm not that in love with the article. Okay. So. All right. What are we dropping? Oh, the thing about the teachers, teachers firing over religion. Essentially, oh. just, just a quick summary. This guy was using his science class as a way to teach intelligent design, and he actually used electrical stuff to burn crosses on some children's arms. So. That's the main part I wish they would have followed up on. They mentioned it, and then they said, well, it was denied. But the family of one of the students is getting money for, for such for a thing. For it having, having happened. happened. It's like, wait a minute, did it happen or not? You know, if, if he went that far, there's something disturbed about him. Yeah. I, I don't mind the general idea of talking about creationism as an alternative. I, I, no, but... I have a problem with that. If you, it's because it's not an alternative, and it's mm. gone to the courts. It's not. If you want to talk about it in a theology it, class, not, yeah, that's where that's it belongs. It. It should be theology, not, not in a science, science class. But... Yeah, yeah. I I just found it. I caught it was caught my interest, but there's some other stuff that caught my interest an awful lot more. Right, and this one could have been better. It wasn't the best article. You know, it mentioned the basics of it, but didn't really go into enough detail to really. Yeah, that's why I didn't dig too deep. Right. I, like I said, I wasn't in love with it, so I didn't do, dig too deep on this one. Now, our audience probably remembers way back in podcast eighteen which was, I, I don't know, last year or something, <laughs> where we talked yeah, so, about that word. Yeah, the infamous N-word yeah. and um, the use of it in classes and such. Well, the, the news has been out, so you know a fair amount of our audience probably already heard this, but um, the publisher's new South book are going to release a version of Huckleberry Finn where the word nigger is replaced with the word slave. <laughs> and apparently also they're going to replace the word engine with something. It, it didn't say what the word was going to be, but they're going to replace engine. And This is wrong. This, yeah, this, this is a classic it, piece of literature. And it's, it's Huckleberry Finn, the expurgated version. Come uh, on. Well, it goes beyond that. It, it basically is lying. Uh, there's an honesty to the book, and there's an honesty to the idea that this is the way it was. And while I can understand the idea that black people will have some issue with the word itself, they need to learn that the word itself is not offensive towards them by just existing. And the fact that it's in this book, the reason it's there is because that is the way they talked to them. It's, the reason it be, it's there is because it's history. It, well, yeah. it would be like us walking into a grocery store and getting offensive because there's crackers everywhere. Right. Cracker is a word yeah. that can be used offensively against us, but I don't care if they call something else a cracker. That That's, you know... Well, and in this a, in this context, this is a historical context that, you know, and you can't... You can't go. You can't change history. Right. I mean, so they so instead they're they're trying to rewrite it, and this there's is just a, a bad there's precedent. There's a maximum. There's a maximum that it says that those that will not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And I happen to know that's true because in high school I did not learn <laughs> from history, and I had to repeat it. But it's insulting. It really is. It's saying, hey, we're going to be dishonest now. We're going to pretend this stuff wasn't said just because some people got offended by the fact it was said. You know, this reminds me of, of the same kinds of things that the Texas school board was trying to do when they were trying to remove uh, Jefferson from history. Right, right. You know, it's the same kind of thing that, you know, the, these things happen and that's the way that they are. And it sets a terrible precedent to try and change them now. Well, the unfortunate thing is that history is also written by the winning side. Well, that's true. And the winning side is often those who show up. Now, luckily, you know, this is one cop version of the book that's going to be published that way. Uh, obviously, due to the fact that Huckleberry Finn is um, open to anyone republishing it, th there'll always be accurate copies that are done right. The problem is, to me, you give this to kids and you teach them this is 
you know, the way it was, they're not getting taught correctly. They're not getting, you know, the, what they're being taught is not honest, not um, going to give them the right ideas. They'll read through it and they won't understand that there was a whole different level. Of you know, what what's next? Are they going to take all the drug references out of Alice in Wonderland? <laughs> If people find it offensive, you know. Maybe they'll take all the drug references out of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It'd be a much shorter <laughs> read. Yeah. It'd be um, three pages. One of, the, but... one of the links off this article I found was talking about some of the um, most surprising books to be banned and what reason they're banned. Yeah, I was, I was just and looking at that. It's a good article to read as well because it goes into some of the stuff, things that people find offensive. And it's kind of like, that's really what upset them about the book? Wow. <sighs> so it, I, I do recommend reading that article as well. It's um, linked off of the... Um, the Huck Finn article itself. Well, so. and here's a here's a thought on changing Huck Finn. Huck Finn is a remarkably entertaining picture of you know a slice of life of what was going on around that time. Some of it is fantastical. Some of it is you know strikingly realistic. But if you're altering that slice of history, even you know even though Mark Twain's work is a work of satire on some levels. If you're altering that slice of history, you're actually cheating the children of today by not not showing them what things were like back then so that they can right. understand why black men and women get offended at the end now. Right. And, and there's a level of that. The knowledge, the word's never going to go away. No matter what, it'll, it'll never go away. But if you're more educated about the history of the word, that the word exists, that it, it had different meanings at different times, then it takes on a whole different um, vision of exactly what it, it is and where it's come from. And that in itself is actually very valuable. You know, understanding our language is a valuable thing. Even if it's curse words, even if it's insults, even if it's stuff that's offensive, th there's a value to understanding it. And to me, it seems like they, they'd rather keep people ignorant because they don't want to offend than to actually be honest, say, okay, offense exists. People, you know, offensive words exist, and you have to understand the nature of them. You know, there's, there's so much to be lost by editing things in this manner. You know, history, ideas, ignorance is promoted, you know, so much just over this one little thing. Well, where do you see how I edit this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so, Ian... Why don't you yeah. tell us why you'd rather see a licensed witchcraft edition than an unlicensed one? <laughs> uh, actually, I don't want to see either, but I, I found it very amusing that um, any country would actually start justifying the existence of it. And um, that's what it seems Romania is doing right now. No, they're not justifying the existence of it. They're legalizing it so they can tax it. Well, yeah, but by, by legalizing... No, no, that's, no, that's that's all there is to it. They're not legitimizing it. They're taking something that everybody's doing or a large percentage of the population is doing and have been doing tax-free, and they're declaring it legal so that it can be taxed. <laughs> and the witches in Romania aren't any happier about it <laughs> than you are. No, I, well, I loved that. You have the one witch, um, Bretara who is basically going to use cat excrement and a dead dog to perform a spell to curse those horrible politicians that are going to be taxing her. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds uh, like a good use of her time. Yeah. Now, the, well, the thing a, is... Uh, it's green. It's recycling. <laughs> I'm presuming that the, that the dead dog was, was already dead when she found it, but... Yeah. Anyway. But you read these articles, um, it's a bit disturbing that they're actually supposedly civilized countries that where the political leaders will wear a purple on Thursday in order to make sure that they're safe. You know, th this isn't so bad. I mean, where, where we have real problems is where witchcraft is still illegal, and all it takes is is your male next-door neighbor to declare you a witch right. and well, for you to be, you know, crucified. Well, if you look at, um, Bretara was actually in prison, um, 1977. So, um, apparently the, the laws in Romania have changed, um, since then, because instead of imprisoning witches, they tax them now. Well, I think, you this, know, this is I, I think that to me, this is, you said that this is a supposedly civilized country. To me, this says that they're civilized. They're taxing it. If they found a way to make money off of it, congratulations. That's civilization <laughs> in a nutshell. Okay. We'll give them that. Yeah. yeah I, you know. I, I, I kind of like the idea of them declaring that as legal and they're going to tax it, as opposed to unlegal or to right. illegal and we're going to prosecute you. No, the, the, the tolerance part's great, but at the same time, it's just 
the fact that it's such a huge thing over there that, you know, so many people are really that into it. Such, you know. Man, every story I'm finding is just a rebroadcast of the main one. There, there's there's no more in-depth in this. This it, it just was not taken seriously anyway. Yeah. Nobody has done, you know, a more in-depth uh, review of this, so. But at least now I know that if I think a witch is after me, all I got to do is wear purple, and that should protect me. Well, that's uh, That's one thing I definitely got out of these. And, you know, it's something I didn't know before. All right. What's going on with Social Security numbers? Yeah, I just found it kind of interesting how they're actually issued and how the, how the numbers are put together. They're going to be revamp, revamping the system later this year. But the first three numbers, I guess, represent the, uh, if I recall correctly from watching the video, the first three numbers represent the year, the no. second. No, the first three no, numbers represent the location. Right. And the second two numbers represent, like, the month and date. So and the and the, four, the last four numbers are issued sequentially, rather than rather than being in, issued randomly, they're actually issued sequentially. Huh. So if you put your your location and your if you put your hometown and your birth date on your Facebook page, you're giving somebody a pretty good chance of guessing your social security number and thereby taking your identity. Now, the was the upshot thing, of the article. The interesting thing, though, is I know for a fact that me and my sister, however it used to work, our social security numbers didn't, we weren't given those until we had moved out here. So where we were born and when we were born actually don't factor into ours. Yeah, because, people didn't used to get these till much later in life. Yeah. Now, now you get right. them right when the kids are born. Yeah, you get them at birth. So like our age, there could be inaccuracies if you drowned while you were a kid. It won't um, match up to where you were born and when. But nowadays, um, you, it's probably more easier to um, figure out the social security number just based on those factors. But of course, the video then goes it finishes up saying that the government's planning on making it random from here on out. It's going to be but revamped that, later this year, yeah. right? But it's too late for everyone else. We're not going to be allowed to go get new ones. I think there are certain extreme circumstances where you can get a new social security number, but it has to be very extreme. No, and like the video said, they weren't originally supposed to be used for identification. You know, I it hear was the, supposed to be an accounting issue. I know I hear this argument all the time, and and yes, okay, so it wasn't. But we needed some sort of identification number for us to use for certain for certain objectives, and right. it does work for that. Now, people say, well, it wasn't its original use. Well, there's a lot of things that weren't for yeah. its original use. I mean, uh, I mean, look at uh, opium. That used to be – that was originally designed for, you know, uh, a child's cough suppressant. <laughs> we don't use it that way anymore, and we shouldn't. So just because it wasn't designed to be used for that thing doesn't mean that it shouldn't be used for that. You know, it probably would mellow out the kids quite a bit, though. <laughs> oh, it'll stop, <laughs> it'll stop the cough. You have cough, you like crap, you're complaining and whining? Here, have some opium. Come uh, you know, I, aren't you using uh, Flintstones uh, chewable Valium for that, though, Ian? <laughs> Uh, apparently, uh, my wife just leaned in and said that the only way you can get a new social security number no, is is actually to be in witness protection. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know what the rules on that, but I, I'm tired of hearing, you know, well, it wasn't, that's not how it's supposed to be used. Well, fine, but we needed something, and so do we issue another number, or do we use a currently existing number that will work? And so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing that. We, we needed something, and it, it did fit the bill. Right. All right, so this next article is Billy Graham praying for friends who don't believe. And, you know, I found this article terribly offensive. He goes – basically going through it and talking about – I mean they, they talk about how the, the Bible and the Gospels are true and that, you know, the people that aren't accepting them are, you know, are – it, it's just it's just horrible, you know, that basically these people believe – that what they believe is true, everybody else is wrong, and where you know we, they need to pray for us to accept Jesus. Well, as long as they don't know about, as long as we don't know about them praying for us, we'll probably get well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I put this in here. I was I was incredibly offended by this article and by this man. It's pretty offensive. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's it's. It is, and it's not offensive because he's he's talking about what he believes in, and he's talking he's trying to be nice based upon what he believes. But 
it's offensive because it's not it, it's going against the beliefs of others and it's not giving them freedom to believe what they believe. Well, it's well, insulting towards the beliefs of others. Right, it is insulting. It, it's putting people down for not believing as he does. And, instead of just saying, you know, this is what I get out of my beliefs. Instead of just doing that, he has to make sure everyone that doesn't believe as he does is put down. Right, and this comes uh, back, you know, this isn't just, you know, and... You know, we we look at these and we think, you know, I, I immediately think non-religious or, you know, but this means, you know, Hindus, this means Muslims, this, every other religion other than his is wrong. Right. And that's what well, is and just even probably so, some practicing Christians, if they don't believe as he believe, are also wrong. Right. Yeah, so th- these kinds of beliefs are unfortunate, and we, we see too much of this kind of intolerance. And that's the, the next story gets right. even more extreme with intolerance. And I'm, I'm going to tell our listeners right now, I will not be holding back on this. I, I have issues with this with Reverend um, Fed Phelps. He is, uh, and I will be going off. If you watch the video, you'll probably understand why. The, the, I, I've watched other videos by this guy. I've checked out the website that um, his website God hates fags. I've looked through so much of his. Yeah, so he's got he's got a lot of this kinds of stuff, and he and this is another man who is preaching intolerance, pure and, intolerance, right? Pure yeah. intolerance, and this is and this he's even preaching worse. intolerance and violence and violence. Yeah. yeah, this this I mean this goes even further. Um, so, so and, and this is you know we're one we're really up to date on this one because this everyone heard I'm sure everyone has heard what happened in Arizona a couple of days ago where right. um the gunman came out started shooting killed six people including one nine-year-old girl injuring what I believe it's 13 others and the one congresswoman um her condition is still not guaranteed you know she took a bullet right through the head I guess and last we heard she was stable but you know that can go either way right that serious right. And so well, he, they're talking about protesting the victims' funerals. Yes. Phelps straight out is calling the, the, the murderer, the guy who, for no rational reason whatsoever, goes and kills six innocent people. He is calling this guy a hero and says this guy is doing God's work. That I believe you refer to him as a soldier of God. Yes, it is that very is sick. That is sick, sick, sick. And that is the kind of mindset Phelps has. He is, uh, you know, I, I try not to start calling people names on the podcast, but I'm, Fred Phelps is a disgusting human being. I can't, you know, to see Don't this video. Yeah, I, I have hard. I, I agree with that. I, I, he shouldn't even be considered human. My, you look at this video. He so unemotionally is busy justifying these murders, this attack, this violent, outrageous attack because his church. Um, has been attacked because his church, I guess, had some laws passed against it to keep it from being able to do a lot of the protest or whatever. Not, you know, his church has been violated. So God is God sent this man to lash out at others on behalf of his church. That is disturbing. What part it, of what he's doing fits into Christian values? I thought nothing. that they were supposed to be. Well, he's preaching intolerance. We already said that. Right, but God here's intolerance. But here's the thing: is that this, you know, this is the kind of hatefulness that you know we that we saw in early christians you know the the crusades and the this inquisition and and this kind of you know violence that we saw you know in in early christians and and he's promoting that exact kind of thing you know that in that these things should couldn't should continue and that and and he's saying that god wants them to continue how can anyone justify the outright murder of a nine-year-old girl there's no justification for that no rationality for that and he's here justifying it he's just saying it's god's will that it's a good thing that this guy did it because god's showing us teaching us a lesson like no what is wrong with you well you know how uh, it, Somebody needs to take this man and lock him up somewhere where he can't ever get to a camera. Yet. Well, I mean, he he's he's calling out the whole United States. He's talking about this country when he's talking about these things. So clearly, he believes that his values are not being represented by this country. Well, if you, well he can that, leave. That's a big thing on his website. Um, he actually has a song. The 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 song. Um, we are the world. You know, we are the world, we are the children. On his website, they took that song and rewrote it as God hates the world. And then at the end wow. of the video, he has a little girl, about four or five year old, singing the song with a big smile on her face. God hates the world. God oh, hates all the people. And you're sitting like, how messed up is it to brainwash a kid that young into hatred? Yeah, th- this gentleman is, I mean, 
clearly gone too far. And he even goes as far as, you know, he talks about, you know, Sarah Palin originally had had, had these people up with targets over their heads. And I... <sighs> You know, I I think that maybe that that was probably well no I do feel that, that was inappropriate you know to to do that and I think that that incited some of these um, some of these problems now I I you can't say that Sarah Palin is directly related but he calls Sarah Palin a coward for taking him down yeah I saw <laughs> it's that. like whoa. I hope that if he does actually go through with um, protesting at the funeral for the nine-year-old girl, that the police basically stand back and let the crowd beat the living crap out of him. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, No, 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 no. We cannot do that. Don't don't Uh, stoop to his level and don't advocate violence yourself. I understand the anger because— As a parent, I'm I'm looking at this as a parent. I I understand where you're coming from. You know, he, I, uh, the fact that he is saying they should be doing this, I, 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 I honestly, I would step back and let the the parents be, beat him up. He, yeah, well, we, we uh, can't. You, do you that. can't go and try and tell parents of a nine year old girl who was murdered that this was God's will that there was a lesson because there's no justification. To but do here, that. here's the thing, Ian, is that yes, he can, and he has every right I know. to do so. But and unfortunately, we these are these are the kind of situations where we can we can talk out against what he is saying, but he has the right to say them. And I personally think the girls' parents have the right to punch him. Uh, well, right un, un, they they do not. They have the right to talk out against him, but they do not have the right to enact violence. Right. And you know, we we, we know that I, I don't think violence is going to solve violence. No, it's not. But and I know that it the, is the level. I've had one real fight in my life, and trust me, it was a needed fight. Um, it, sol- it actually solved a problem. Um, it it eliminated, you know, it, it was, it, things had built up to the point where the only way it was going to end was for a fist fight. I've only had one, and in the end, it's like th- there was a satisfaction to it. It did solve a problem. And you almost think someone like um, Fred Phelps needs to be punched. Well, okay. That might... No, the most fitting thing that could happen to Fred Phelps is that the attention that he whores for get taken away. Well, that's exactly what needs to happen, is that people need to... I mean, if... I don't know. In some ways, you've got to talk about it. But on the other hand, I mean, any, any sort of publicity he gets is good publicity. Even the negative publicity that we're giving him right now as we speak is good good publicity for him. Not bad publicity because now, it's just not going to be seen that way. One thing I do like is the fact that in general, if you look at it all, he's not gaining any more of a following. He's getting publicity. He's getting known. But in general, people aren't following his message. He has a very small community and it's amazing how loud that community is and how much attention that small community can get. Because most of the people that follow him are his own family. Well, and I would you know? say that there there are other people who believe the way that he do, but they are certainly on the fringe of Christians. He is not representative yeah. of all Christians, but unfortunately, he is representative of the Pat Robertsons of the world. You know, and Pat Robertson is no, liable. I don't to... think that's fair to say. You don't think so? Pat Robbins, Pat Robertson is not nearly as bad as he is. No, but it, he, but it's the same kind of hatred that is getting promoted. When he it said is. about Haiti that that was God getting revenge on them for you know for making a pact with the devil, those, those people brought themselves out of slavery, and he's and and he and he's saying that God's mad at him for mad at them for that all these years that he's been waiting to get back at him. So it's the same kind of. Um, mentality from both of them. So wait a minute. Pat Robertson thinks that God is passive aggressive. Yes. Okay. Well, that's not passive aggressive. He created an earthquake on the island. How's that passive? Yeah, but that's that's a pretty long. Uh, apparently, he stews for a long time. It's very vindictive. That's for sure. Um, now, let's. Now, on the lighter side, I did add a link below this, um, showing thirty protest signs that were anti the Westboro Baptist Church. And some of them. And some of these are just yeah. Some of these are just great. So and and honestly, you know, I I just did the whole violence thing, and that was a bit aggressive on me. Just like that, as a parent, I'm looking at this and thinking, if someone ever made that kind of claim, I'd you know, I, I I'd have a very hard time not punching him out. But honestly, the best way to do it is to mock him in this manner, showing him how silly he looks, and you know, coming out with your own protest sign, sitting there right next to him, and making a fool of him. That probably is a better way to go about it. Well, the whole thing's disgusting. 
Oh, yeah. It is, and it's very, but very sad. You look at his website, it is filled with disturbing stuff. It just goes off and off and off, and, it, you know, this guy has, I don't think he has a bottom he'll ever hit. He just keeps trying to see how low he can go, just because he wants to um, get the attention. And like I said, to me, this is, about the you know, how, how, how much lower can you get than to claim a guy who murdered a nine-year-old child is a hero? You know, I, I actually watched a couple of the videos that the gunman put up on YouTube just out of curiosity. And he was a very, very odd person. One was a video of him stalking and burning an American flag to the tune of the song Bodies. Okay. Uh, you know, he, he, he see the flag and he slowly like like creeps into the scene hooded and masked and with a really, really strange, weird posture, and he sets the flag on fire. Yeah. The uh, other one was a uh, thing about how the government is using grammar to control people, and apparently he was not being controlled by the government because he had no actual grammar. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, I mean, the the bottom line here is that, that what this man is doing is disgusting, but we cannot advocate violence against right. him in any way, shape, or form, and right. we, well, would, like we would not that, that, do that anything. That was the instinct of a parent well, about the, the same situation. If it happened to one of my kids and someone went and started to do that, I don't think I could hold back. You know, if, if this guy came was that close to me and was busy telling, you know, going off on how this was God's work, how, you know, the murderer was a, a hero. I'll tell like, you what you would do is you'd make a martyr out of the guy. I mean, he, he, it, it's going to sure, backfire. Though, that's the thing. He has a, a small enough following, and I don't think he necessarily looked like he tried to play it out. But I don't know if he'd actually get away with it. He he's. He's not very well liked by the majority of the population. Well, yeah, and then when he's move on yeah. to a happier okay. subject, <laughs> let's move on to how cell towers are making us ba- making us have babies. You know, this was a really excellent study. So, the, yes. so this gentleman took some um, publicly available information, and he just decided to correlate two things. And they decided to correlate um, birth rates with cell towers. And what we found is that where there is more cell towers, there is a higher birth rate. And they figured the birth rate down to 17.6 babies per cell tower. So so we know that the more cell towers in your area will increase fertility. So it's a good idea to live next to a cell tower if you want to conceive is what I got from this. The initial part, the first part. But well, then it went into the more logic. <laughs> right. Then it actually breaks it down and, and, and talks about, I mean, so this 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 is beautiful for showing the um, the causation versus correlation fallacy. There is no correlation between these things or causation. There's a correlation, yes, but there's no causation. One is not causing the other. And no. they do a really good job of breaking it down and showing you how this doesn't work. And this is one of those fallacies that I... I, I I see a lot. It's a, it's a mis it's a misuse of statistics. Right. It's a very much misuse of statistics. So this was this was fun. This was interesting. But but yeah. But in, in the end, they 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 show that yes, we can we can make a uh, um, a correlation between anything, but showing causation right. is much more difficult. And basically, what the article said was the reason there's this correlation is because the higher the population, the more likely they're going to be cell phone towers. Right. So you, you have more kids be, uh, in the area. You're going to have more cell phone towers because there's more people. Right. There's and, and so the yeah. two go together, but not, in, in some ways, the fact that the other, ki- you know, the more population is causing the existence of the cell phone towers. But you know, well, and this goes back to, I mean, they, they show and the links on the bottom go back to a lot of anti anti vaccination types of stuff. So we we show a you know they 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 showed a correlation between vaccines and autism, but they cannot show a causation. Um, right. But, and so the, there's some others that they that they talk about here. Um, fat men are dumber, so I suppose that they they make some correlations there. Lesbians and atheists are smarter than conservatives and very religious. But we know that one's true. We accept that one on that face value. Are smarter. Um, knew that lesbians and atheists are smarter. Well, yeah, but we're I, certainly I, I, okay well, with that. Lesbians are smarter thing. That thing that um, it's a smarter thing for um, women it, it to not. Could be that lesbian atheists, lesbians and atheists are smarter because they can they can read the word liberals. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you're right. That does say liberals, doesn't it? That says liberals. It well, does. I believe that lesbians are smarter too. 
Yes, I, I I definitely misread that, didn't I? I, I don't have the article, so I, I oh. can honestly say I wasn't reading. I was going. No, nope, that that would that was that was clearly me, and that was uh, I was clearly uh, I clearly mis misread that. So now I am a conservative religious person, just no, by uh, by correlation. You're just a pervert, like you admitted earlier in the show. Oh, I did admit and that. That got in the way. I'm still okay with that. <laughs> anyway, so this was a fun article. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, I I misread it, but uh, it was fun. What's this about snake owners? Let's talk about snake owners. All right. Um, he, basically, he's talking about the fact that they're trying to limit the import of exotic exotic animals, reptiles, um, different types of fish, and things like that. They're trying to limit the interstate transportation of nine species of foreign snakes because they said that the that if these snakes can get loose, they can affect the population. <laughs> and okay. one of his one of the points of the uh, the the person who's protesting this, who's Jeremy Stone, he was talking about the fact that his snakes, if they got loose, the snakes he breeds, if they got loose, they'd have no idea how to live in the wild. And I'm just sitting here scratching my head over this because it seems to me that a snake is pretty much a snake. So what what are the species? Is, is, is am I reading this? Uh, uh, baby ball pythons? Is that really one that they want to restrict? Yeah, uh, Burmese python and eight other large constrictor snakes that threaten the Everglades. Well, okay. Now, there is some issues down, you know, in Florida with, with these large snakes that have gotten loose, that pet owners have gotten loose. When we had, I mean, we had one that was eating raccoons living under, you know, an abandoned house. And uh, yeah. so there's definitely some issues here that need to be addressed. The, the nine species are the Burmese python, okay, the northern African python, the southern African python, the reticulated python. The green anaconda, the yellow anaconda, the Bolivian anaconda, the Shaughnessy's anaconda, and the boa constrictor. Now, are they talking about your common boa constrictor? That says boa constrictor. Really? It doesn't say, doesn't give a variety. Huh. Well, the problem with, you know, boa constrictor is that there's a lot of them. It's not one snake. Yes. But what, you know, what's interesting, you know, some of those I, I definitely agree with. Um, I, I don't know all of them, but certainly I, I, I question whether a homeowner should have a reticulated python, a Burmese python. Um, you know, those are, are an yellow or green anaconda. Those are fairly, fairly big snakes, and they can kill you. Um, yes. And so I can see where where outlying those is is reasonable now your common red tail boa what is going to get to be about six feet long you know i mean that that's i guess slightly questionable as to whether you know whether or not those should be in a home and if they get loose what kind of damage can they do now admittedly he's talking about breeding albino albino snakes and they're going to have a harder time living in the wild yes but your your more common snakes that are bred a snake is any reptile is equipped with a certain amount of instinct. And if they get loose, they are going to find ways to feed themselves. Sure. And some of these ways to feed themselves are going to be involving the local wildlife. Other ways to feed themselves may involve your children or you you yourself if they get hungry enough. And if they're big enough. Right. Well, now here in Colorado, we don't have these issues because, you know, the, the snake can only live till it gets cold. Yeah, they're they're not. Most of these species are not going to make it. But in Florida, they can actually get loose and thrive. But that and, was one of the debates: is how far they could actually spread. According to one study, basically all the southern states. According to another study, just the tip of Florida. Yeah, so I guess you know so, there's certainly some some questions there. Yeah, I don't know. And even there, apparently, um, a whole bunch of them died uh, with the cold snap last year. Really? Or the year before? Within, within the last couple of years, there was a cold snap that killed a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Well, let's talk so, about let's talk about green iguanas. Green iguanas are incredibly good at adapting to you know if it's a warm enough environment for them to live, they will adapt to it and they will thrive. They're essentially the rats of the reptile kingdom, and green iguanas have taken over a good chunk of. So. So, you know, watch your banana trees. Yep. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we, we, we have issues here in Colorado with exotic fish that have been brought into our lakes. Um, so there are all sorts of issues with transporting species into areas that don't have natural predators and are able to, to thrive without, you know, without any sort of uh, um, b without being in check. In some yeah. way. I mean, look but at. Uh, also, now, you know, you can get into debate as to 
how much man's interfering stuff, but we also know there's a natural thing where that does happen. Well, we have seen examples of um, animals that have been through whatever means naturally transported from one continent to another. Um, what were they? There were some lizards that did that a few years ago. There was a big thing on that because they said, "Look, you know, that can happen." And it was by purely natural means. Man wasn't involved whatsoever. So there's a certain level of, you know, we get into how much man interferes with nature and such. But this kind of thing does happen. And at some point it will start balancing out. That seems to be the normal way it works. You know, the Great Lakes are in trouble because of zebra mussels. And, you know, and we have ships that are brought into the harbor and, uh, you know, that have these attached to them that, you know, brought them from wherever. And, you know, that they, they end up at the Great Lakes. And so the Great Lakes have gone from cloudy to clear because of these zebra mussels. Damn, we have got to stop those zebras running out. I know. So certainly, sir, yeah, there's certain some stuff that is going to be unavoidable. But there's another issue with these snakes and is that, you know, they're dangerous. Yeah. You know, I mean, a 20-foot-long, a, a you know, reticulated python can do some damage to a human. A lot. Yeah. So there's uh, definitely some uh, some safety issues. I don't want to run into one of these snakes while I'm hiking, personally. Well, don't go hiking in Florida now. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, you you stay in the you stay in the frozen tundra wastes of Lakewood, and you'll be fine. Let the snakes have Florida, and we'll be fine. I don't think there's really another use for it. They might actually kick out of Disney World. Who knows? <laughs> Leave Florida to the snakes and the land developers and the other reptiles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell me about Hot Wheels and cameras. Well, I wanted to bring this one up because of our podcast number 20, where we talked about the Barbie video girl. This is the opposite. This is a Hot Wheels car with a video camera inside it with a view screen on the bottom. It's the same thing. It's, yeah. it's and Except also, it's a Hot Wheels car this time, not, not I've Barbie. Been, I've been seeing commercials for an air hog that is the same kind of thing. A remote right. to a helicopter with a camera built on that you plug into your computer. Exact same kind of thing as the Barbie once again. But you won't hear anyone protesting these. Uh, no, it's not the same thing. The helicopter can get a much better view. Right. <laughs> That's now, I, honest, yeah, Honestly, if I was a pedophile well, and I was trying to get a video of a kid, I think I'd have a better chance of um, getting a good video with the helicopter than with the Barbie doll. Well, the helicopter is actually, I would I would tend to think of the remote-controlled helicopter as being for older kids anyway. Well, but still, you, you, you're playing with the helicopter, you're flying around in a kid's room. The, the, all, most kids are probably going to be waving to it and jumping at it. The Barbie doll, um, boys and stuff will just ignore it. To, to me, if, if you're going to be trying to say one of these things is going to be a tool for pedophiles, the helicopter, to me, is the more likely. Yeah, but, but I, what I'm noticing here about the Hot Wheels is that there is there is no I, I did several searches for any kind of indications like the FBI warning about the Barbie doll or any uproar about pedophiles getting a hold of Hot Wheels cars and there was nothing to be found. No. And I think that's a sexism thing. I, I, I think it's oh the girl toys are gonna to be used for that. The boy toys, nah, no one's gonna think of that. And if, if you're going to say it's one way, it's going to be both ways. If you're, going, if, if you're going to make the claim that the Barbie's a pedophile tool and the Hot Wheels are a pedophile tool and the Air Hog are an equally valuable pedophile tool. But, it, you know, it's one of those things that the, the idea comes up just because it's a girl's toy, I think. And it's silly. It's still, you know, it's ridiculous as it was, you know, before. But it's just showing exactly how messed up people's thinking are. You know, they're not going to see the same thing in the Hot Wheels and the Air Hog that they saw in the Barbie doll. And by the way, that Air Hog is the Air Hog Hawkeye for any, uh, you know, anybody who wants to purchase that out there for whatever purposes. (laughs) All right. Anything else? Not tonight. I think we're good. I vented a bit. Well, people can get uh, you, Ian. You threatened to beat up an old. Uh, you threatened to beat up an old man. Who yeah, daughter over. <laughs> you threat. Yeah. Are you feeling? Are you feeling ridden with testosterone now? Eh, I, I, Fred Phelps has been pissing me off for years now. It was good to get some of it vocalized and out there. So, are the twins swollen with your potency now? <laughs> Go forth, my son. Bang your wife. All right. 
Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. To leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics, you can do that at 720-295-7785. Music with this podcast is provided by OFM. You can find out more about OFM at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is released under Creative Commons, no derivative 3.5 license. We'd love to have you share our work with other people. Please just do not edit or change the content. And if anyone else needs me to bless their union, just drop us a line.